I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast. Every Mum the Podcast was created for one reason, to get honest about parenthood, about the realities, the joys, the surprises and the fears, the moments that form us and the ones we don't hear people talk enough about, which is why we are so proud to partner with Water Wipes as our sponsor for this season, as they share this mission with us and are such an essential brand for every mum. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes containing just two ingredients, 99.9% water and just a drop of fruit extract, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and also the proud winners of three National Parenting Product Awards 2020, including Best Baby Wipes. During the early days as a parent, everything is uncertain, but choosing the right wipes shouldn't be a worry. With no artificial fragrance, soap, silicones or colours, Water wipes are suitable for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. Together, we are committed to providing more reassurance for parents with trusted products and this podcast, helping us to all take those important steps towards greater confidence while building a community of support for every mum. In this episode, we sit down with Ashling Hamill, or Soulfully Ashling, as her many Instagram followers know her. Ashling is an inspiration to many mums as she promotes and shares experts and experiences of positive birth with the aim of releasing the fear and empowering us all. She's expecting her fourth baby in just a few weeks' time and has learned along the way what helps her feel safe, in control and positive about birth. She is here to talk to me today about her experience of birthing at home, how after a phase of maternal depletion and miscarriage, her own well-being has become an essential part of her life and how we can all adapt healthy, soulful habits that can help us all to prepare for a more positive and healthy motherhood. We hope you enjoy. Ashling, welcome to Everyone the Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, especially given that you are eight months pregnant, looking absolutely gorgeous and not long to go. I know that some people will know you from your kind of hairstylist career, your bridal styling, but also from your account Soulfully Ashling. And the reason that I'm so drawn to you is because I adore the fact that you are being so open and sharing, you know, what many women go through, which is the experience of a traumatic birth, but now preparing for your fourth, how you've moved your mindset towards positivity, learning about how you can empower yourself, learning about how you can be more mindful, relaxed, healthy, well, and doing things that ultimately are good for your soul. So thank you for thank you so much for having me. Creating <laughs> this. Um, take us back, I suppose, to the start of your motherhood journey with that first birth. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of crazy because it feels so long ago now. Like it's gonna be 14 years in January. Um, and I think like many people, I just grew up with birth almost being something to fear. I knew I wanted to be a mother, but birth was like something that would be endured and was kind of surrounded by fear. I think anyone I spoke to was like, take all the drugs, you know, um basically avoid feeling and being present with birth and when it came to it for me um I did very little prep because it's listen like the internet was I suppose not really full of information at that point and there wasn't this kind of sharing of real human stories there might have been medical information but there wasn't real experience and I think 
people were just and they still are very quick to tell you their horror stories mm. so everything that I'd really heard coming up to the birth of Alana was just like fear fear um and of course I was looking forward to meeting my baby but ultimately it was like oh god what's this gonna what's this gonna be like like the beginning you know, and the end is something to be feared yeah. because you can't get to meet the baby until you go through yeah. that process you, but like the you process, know you've got to go through it yeah but yet that's the thing that you're most terrified yeah, to do totally and you know when it came to choosing my caregiver I just opted for whoever I think my auntie was pregnant at the time and she was going with a certain consultant I went with him um I did no research into my options or asked questions you know when I went to my visits it was all just like well you just have to go and you turn up on the day and see what happens um and I suppose kind of were part of the system just part of the system Mm -hmm. Um, went my waters went on Alana and I was like absolutely terrified and I think in hindsight I look back and I feel like everything in my body was saying no 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 Mm. and um, because of that uh, the labor was very drawn out it was like 37 plus hours Mm. Um, I was physically and emotionally exhausted Um, when I went into the hospital I was just kind of met by a midwife, to be fair, she was very, very kind to me. Um, but I was put into unit three and I was just left. Mm. Get on with it. Um, there was no one there to kind of be like, well, this might help or this might help or to show you kind of what supports. Um, it was a case of millions was, of women I mean, do this every day. Off you go. Yeah. And I had really intense contractions on that birth, on that labor. And it went on and on and on. Um, I even look back now and I think if somebody had a sat me down and been like, listen, get yourself together here. You know, let's let let me show you how you can breathe through these contractions. Mm. But there was not even any of that. There was nothing. Um, and so the whole thing just felt like it was happening to me. And I do remember at one point feeling like and I don't want to be like, it sounds really um, quite dark. But I remember at one point actually forgetting I was having a baby and just thinking, I'm dying. Like, yeah, I'm not going to survive this. Like, and I remember all the sound went from both of my, like, from my Mm. peripheral, um, my vision. Everything started kind of going blurry, and I, um, like, felt I was going to collapse, like, go unconscious. Mm. And I I remember thinking, seeing this vision of a little girl laughing, and I went, "Oh my god, get yourself together! Mm. Like, you're having a baby here." Um, and I suppose for me then it was like one intervention after another, which just, it just felt like all of this was happening to me. I had no control over it. I did take an epidural and for me, like, you listen, you know, epidurals work amazingly for some mm-hmm. people. For me, it just felt like I had no control over my body mm-hmm. and suddenly I was in a really vulnerable um, position. Um, and then, um, it was oxytocin was given, um, I still felt the contraction, so it didn't fully work on me, okay. um, which seems to be something that happens as well to, to quite a few women. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it was an assisted delivery. There was a cesarean threatened. There was all sorts. It was like, when, when it came to her actual birth, I remember there must have been about 15 people in the room. And I was like, wow, this is intense, you know. Yeah. Um, she, was, she was born um, and she was put on my chest and literally... Within a couple of seconds, she was taken away and they were like suctioning her and she was off up to ICU and she stayed there for 24 hours. And I was like, can I go see my baby? 
and that detachment it was so just quickly. there was no yeah and I was left there and I remember just looking down at myself and you know it wasn't a very I suppose it wasn't a very pretty sight mm, you know mm. um it's such a trauma like <coughs> really physical physical trauma physically, yeah, traumatic and I then took a bit of a reaction to um one of the drugs they give me so I was vomiting for hours mm. and I kept saying to them can I just go see my baby and they were like no and I was like put me in a wheelchair I was like bring me you know up in a wheelchair yeah. to go see her you just desperately want to see and your baby no like I was just left I had they were like until you can walk unassisted you can't go see your baby um I was very lucky in that I think after she was born you know motherhood just being a mother became very naturally to me mm. I absolutely adored it um I was very young but still I think that uh, when I look back I'm like how was how was I that much together did that experience though did you did you experience anything postpartum that impacted you I had to talk about it mm. every day mm. like literally processed it daily um I felt like I just needed to be heard and when I'd say to people they'd be like oh yeah yeah and I'm like no like it was and I was trying to kind of get that I suppose um power back yeah um and over the years I just felt it has to be different there's no way that this is how birth should be there's no way the population and could have been I'm survived like, if I'm that's like, what you seriously. go through yeah and I was like and if that's how it's going to be I don't want to ever do it again and I knew I wanted more children so you know it became almost I don't want to say I became obsessed with it, but I certainly became very into the whole subject mm. and long before I became pregnant on my second which she was eight years later um I was researching I was reading up on different options I came across gentle birth which to be fair wasn't around when I was having mm. a nana um and also the domino scheme midwife led care again that wasn't around when I was having a lana yeah. suddenly there were more choices and um, it went from very medicalized yeah to now very kind of human approach yeah well do you know it's like one of the things that still surprises me about the care and I'll go into that obviously a bit more later but the care that I get now from my private midwife is you know every time she's over doing a visit with me and she will be doing something simple like <clears throat> just checking um, baby posi- baby's position by putting her hands on my stomach on my on my womb and before she puts her hands anywhere near me she will always ask me is mm. this okay and I just think like I'm kind of laugh but I'm mm. like wow like mm. even on that basic level there's that human respect she's not going to do anything to me without my permission and my full permission which makes me feel really safe um, and I think when I look back on my first experience I don't even remember being asked or consulted. Like, it was just, you know, this is what has to happen. Did you feel completely powerless? That totally, totally powerless, yeah. Going into then number two, as you mm. said, it was eight years later. So yeah. gentle birth, yeah. as you said, the domino scheme had come on board. What was the impact of these things? Oh, like, <laughs> changed everything for mm. me. Um, suddenly, I became really excited about birth about labor I was kind of I knew in my bones I felt that it was something that it all made sense to me when I started reading on it people weren't you know you talk about it with friends and family and you could kind of tell they'd be like ah oh, yeah 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 she's she's gone <laughs> yeah she's rambling on again you know now or it. you know yeah listen sure listen if that makes her yeah. happy thinking yeah. that yeah um 
I know there was a lot of people who were probably quite supportive of it. And then there was also when I said that I was opting for a home birth, it was mm-hmm. kind of like, what? Even you know? I'm sure that would not have been done so much eight years ago. No, no, I'm sure it wasn't. <laughs> um, so you were I was just going the first person that I knew of, yeah. you know, who'd, who'd done it. So you've gone from paradise um, to like super brave. I was like, oh, I was like, I am not. And see, the thing is, people used to say to me, oh, you're so brave, right? And I used to be thinking, no, no, you're brave because mm. you're going into hospital. I could mm. never, I can't go back in there. Like this has to be totally different. And I think I really wanted it to be that healing experience for my first birth. So okay. it was almost like... Cathartic in a way. Yeah, it mm. was. Um, and at that time, there was really, there was two options. It was either you went with the Domino scheme in Hollis Street or you went with the HSE private midwife. And I just felt that I wanted... I was like, okay, listen, if things don't work out in the day and I have to go in, mm. well, at least I'll be with the same group of midwives... So that was my reason yep. behind it. Um, um, I listened to my gentle birth every <laughs> every day throughout that pregnancy. Like literally, I was I probably got a positive pregnancy test and I was like already on it. Um, my husband was really on board as well, which was great. We did the course together. Um, probably talked about it like, you know, every day. It was mm. like it was be- it became almost like we were training for something really big which I think is what well, we're is. missing you know is that this reality and it was, I saw something recently that was like prepare for your birth like you would your wedding day yeah. and don't just turn up and just think, hope for the best no. now I mean obviously you have to be open-minded yeah. um but I do think that there is some level of preparation you can do for yourself that no matter what happens you're going to be okay and you know you have to be open-minded because you don't know like birth is unpredictable I get that but there is a but certain a amount of training can, that you can go yeah. through, both emotionally and physically, <gasps> to try and help your body prepare Absolutely. for what is going to be a huge experience. Yeah. Totally. Um, you know, and for me, one of the biggest things that I was absolutely terrified of was um, the actual giving birth part. Mm. I was like, okay, the labor bit, you know, it's going to be intense, but like it's going to be different this time. But I was like, the baby still has to come out. Yeah. yeah. And I'd had a really nasty episiotomy on my first. And I was like, I was just kind of going, how's this, how's this going to happen? Yeah. How's it going to work? Um, and one of the things that really helped me mentally get over that was doing um, perineal massage from like 30 weeks, probably around 30 weeks. And I used to listen to my gentle birth tracks at the same time. Okay, great. And I was like, you know, telling myself, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. And yeah. to kind of go with it. And, you know, I suppose when it came down to it on the day of Amelia's birth, like I had no perennial trauma on her or Nathan. And I'm just like, that's crazy. Like, And yet it's still something that is so rarely talked about. Yeah. And even amongst women. But we're who all have, crossing our legs because yeah. we're terrified. But the, the whole idea of it is so natural because that's obviously where baby is going to come from. Yeah. That's the area that you should be protecting mm-hmm. and helping it to stretch mm-hmm. safely mm-hmm. um but we're we're still such prudes about totally. it it's like it's crazy it's like the baby doesn't really come out of our yeah vagina. because we're just not educated it's like from childhood <laughs> yeah. to be able yeah. to talk about yeah. how our bodies actually work yes there's still such a level of shame around totally. female reproductive <laughs> system which i think is probably why it's so medicalized and i'm so grateful for women like you 
that are now helping us all to appreciate this is how our bodies work. And actually, let's get back to nature here on this. Mm. You know, if things like perineal massage are going to prevent you from having stitches or from having some form of trauma, great, do it. Don't be ashamed about it. Even going in and, and buying like, the oils, you're a bit like, oh, <laughs> you know what I'm going to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I have to say, I found, like, I, I was just like, listen, David, this is your yeah, area. Yeah, this is the reality. <laughs> and I was also like, you're doing it. Yeah. Because I physically can't reach down yeah. there. And to be fair, like, he was totally on board with it. But I know other women might not feel comfortable doing that yeah. with their partners. But I was like... You know, this is for the, f- the benefit of both of us, actually, exactly. in the uh, like in my ongoing health. Um, so, yeah, it became it definitely I feel, you know, as much of, as it physically may have helped me, it mentally prepared me to not freak out when I started feeling that crowning sensation. And um, I and, uh, and also just that belief that, you know, yeah. our bodies are made to do this. Yeah. Because Which I is feel like very powerful. Yeah, training your your mind to really believe that is incredibly powerful because it releases the appropriate hormones. So if you're in a state of fear, you're going totally. to be releasing the hormones that are blocking every other positive hormone. So it's so important to train your mind into really believing in your power. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and so I she arrived safely. She and arrived happily. safely at home. You know, Amelia's birth for me was it was like insanely better than Alana's but I still felt it could be a bit better <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I'm like what what kind of a perfectionist am I here Amelia's birth was it was like a million times better than Alana's and I was like felt like a rock star I was just like yes it was tough like I'm not gonna t- say it was a walk in the park mm. there was still an element of fear particularly because I was working through a lot of the stuff from my previous birth um I definitely experienced pain on Amelia's, but it was much more in a much more controlled fashion. Okay. Like I was going through transition on Amelia, and I remember like being like, oh, and it was this like overwhelming kind of noise just came out of me, and I was like, oh my god, what is that noise? <laughs> and I was like, what am I doing? You need to go to hospital. You need to get the drugs. Get the drugs. And I was able to tell myself, no, no this fear is normal this fear is a sign that you're actually really close this fear is transition and I remember kind of smiling at myself in amongst this really intense sensation I was experiencing and being like it's gonna be okay you know there's no going back because this is normal yeah this is normal um so for me when I went on to Nathan's it was it ultimately came down to I wanted continuity of care I wanted that kind of relationship-based care where I really would know my midwife. Um, and I have, like, overall, basically, I feel like that is what um, ultimately gave me the gift of an amazing birth with Nathan. So where talk us through Nathan's birth then. When Nathan's you say an amazing birth. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had one, yeah. so tell me everything. <laughs> like... Um, and I'm really, here I am now going into my fourth going, I really hope it's going to be the same as Nathan's. But um, Nathan's birth, there was so little fear. I felt really safe. I knew I was in amazing hands with my midwife. I'd gone through every eventuality with her where, you know, all the reasons why maybe I might be transferred to be transferred to hospital. Um, 
but ultimately she kind of really reinforced that my body was made designed to do this she believed in me mm. um I felt so safe with her um she knew my family she'd done all of our visits in her home she knew my kids and when it came down to it like I rang her at I think it was literally 12 o'clock zero 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 woke up to this massive rodent contraction and I went <gasps> you've forgotten how intense this is you know and I kind of remember being like there's a wobble there was definitely a wobble and we couldn't find the phone we couldn't find the tracks we couldn't find the tens machine we totally were like I was four days over but we were totally taken by surprise and um we went downstairs and I kind of just got myself together and I was like listen you're doing this like this is happening and what happened was once I actually got myself together and the fear left, the sensations became more sensations and less pain. Okay. So where beforehand, I suppose I could say that, you know, contractions would been, you know, intense, painful, you know, sensations but like they were at times quite painful on my previous on my previous births whereas on Nathan it was almost I'm not going to say enjoyable because they were intense Mm. but there was an element of like yeah the sensation was almost enjoyable as it was happening I was going with it my body wasn't resisting on any level um so pain just wasn't really part of his birth which sounds crazy you know, when I say it to myself, I'm like, are you, are you sure? And had you done any preparation different other than yeah. working with a caregiver who you felt you had full trust in? I did. I did do some things a little bit differently. Um, I did the, I did the gentle birth every, every day um, throughout, which was the same. Um, I probably incorporated some yoga. I'd looked up some relaxation techniques. So for me, I was like, I felt that I needed just to have some practical tools of how to just bring myself down. Yeah. So, to reconnect. Um, yeah. So I did this really simple thing where it was like, I read it in the Marie Mongan hypnobirthing book and it was where you kind of, your he- you place a number beside each part of your body. So your head is five, your shoulders and chest are four, your womb, stomach area is three, upper legs two, lower legs one. And each time a contraction or a surge would come on I would close my eyes drop my head down and count backwards five four three two one and with each number I would very consciously relax that part of my body and it was a really simple technique but like it totally just changed everything for me um it's really that's really interesting because it it makes you focus on your whole body yeah instead of one zone that's going through this because if you're not relaxed in your jaw your shoulders yeah you're not relaxed in your lower body. And that's something I'd learned. So I was, I think before Nathan's, I still, I was like, I was still hungry for information. I was like yeah. reading everything. I was reading Ina May Gaskin's book on um, Guide to Childbirth. I read the Marie Mongan Hypnobirthing. I was kind of like, give me more, give me more information. Yeah. I need more tools. Um, it is, information is time? power. Whereas this time I'm like, oh, have I, have I done anything? It's fine. You've, yeah. You know uh, it now. I don't know. Um, so yeah it, it's just Nathan's birth there was like I have a video of it and I've watched it back um and I'm like god it's kind of mad like there was on my other labors they would have been like rolling contractions where I would have had very little gap between them okay whereas on Nathan's there was like no there was gaps there was like breaks um 
I was laughing and smiling in between. It was all very nice. And I had my sister and my mum there, which kind of wasn't overly planned. My mum came over to look after the kids in case they woke. My sister, I'd asked to come over to take some photographs for me. And about uh, 15 minutes before Nathan was born, Amelia woke up and she was just gone too. And I'd shown her some videos to try and kind of prepare her and stuff like that. And I'd spoken to her, you know, about the baby and the baby was going to be born and how it was going to come out. And so she kind of knew and she'd watched videos and she was fascinated um, about the whole thing. So when she woke up, although it wasn't ideal, um, now I look back on the whole thing and I'm like, okay, my two girls actually were there for the birth of Nathan. Amazing. And I like, I I think in a way what a gift it has been. Because Alana was 11 and not only does she have no fear about it, yeah. but she's like, can I can I be there for this one? And I'm like, yeah. no. <laughs> Why? Uh, do you know, it's it's selfish. It's a selfish reason. I, this is probably my last baby. And it only comes down to this, that I just want it to be for me and David. Whereas I feel the last time it was amazing. But like the kids were in the pool. It was all very was busy afterwards. Um, they loved it. It was amazing. He was born at four o'clock and I had a meeting in the pool with me for an hour, you know, afterwards um, with Nathan. <laughs> um, How wonderful though, because I love that idea of your girls have seen you labor yeah. and successfully give birth. Mm. And when they and if they are in that position, they have you in their mind now as somebody and as a as an experience that they know this is fine I don't need to be afraid that's incredible to have given your girls that yeah and that's why I feel so I'm so happy that it happened yeah even though it wasn't planned I'm really glad they were there um and listen they may end up well being there on this on this baby's birth as well like you can't you can never plan 100% but um and speaking about I suppose never planning yeah as much as we can all um, talk about, you know, positive birth and empowering ourselves through information and making the right des- decisions that put us in a very comfortable position, yeah. there are elements to our fertility that unfortunately are out of our control. Mm-hmm. And another area of your motherhood that you have so kindly shared is the fact that you have suffered a loss. <gasps> yeah. And that this baby is your rainbow baby. Yeah. <laughs> How cute. <laughs> it's it's kind of it's 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 crazy and you know I think for me I've never really had an issue conceiving with my first three um and I took it for granted Mm -hmm. and it's now it's it's given me a a level of empathy that I actually now look at that loss as a gift which sounds really strange um and obviously it was heartbreaking when it happened and you go through it and it's it's horrendous and, it and I felt ago. like it wasn't that long ago no it was um I got pregnant in the early July I think of um 2018 and then it was around nine weeks gestation when um we found out that there was no heartbeat at a scale and it was like oh god it's crushing and I felt shame and I felt failure and I kind of never thought that those would be the feelings that you'd feel as a woman but they were the feelings I felt. I was embarrassed. I almost was like, oh, well, what's wrong with me that this has happened? And then I had to like obviously slap myself out of that and be like, women go through this every day. And not only do they go through it every day, but so, certain some women have multiple experiences of this. And yeah. how lucky am I actually that I've had such relatively, um, 
I suppose, such a relative time with conceiving and carrying my previous babies to full term. Um, I think it's funny to hear you say that your initial feelings were shame and guilt. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's it's amazing how many messages I've gotten off women who would have very much felt the same. Why do you think that is? Because we don't talk about it. Um, and we don't know, I suppose, you, we don't know where to turn when it happens. I feel like as much as the 12-week wait, you know, might suit some people, it actually is like, let's cover up this part because it's a little bit unstable and we don't know how it's going to turn out so let, let's not tell anybody and I'm like well for me that just made me feel more isolated and more alone because actually people don't know now that I'm pregnant and I have to go tell people that I've lost a baby or do I have to tell people at all or or do you have to pretend like absolutely exactly. everything is fine and that's I remember going to you know bring my daughter to Montessori and being like I was crushed inside and I was like I have to pretend that I'm okay I had two weddings on that weekend whilst I was actually physically miscarrying and I was there within your job as a a bride and hairstylist yeah Yeah. and I again didn't even know physically what to expect from the 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 miscarriage again Um, because no one nobody talks to you about it and it obviously depends on how far you are along um, but I was in a lot of pain and I was trying to like get this bride ready for her mm. her big day. And I remember going into the bathroom and just being like doubled over. And I was like, this is not what I thought it was going to be like. Um, one thing that I did personally decide with that, mis- with that loss was I wanted to try and honor it and let it happen to me. And this is not for everybody. And mm. like, you know, my idea of how I birth is obviously not for everybody either. Um. But That's what I this just is about. It's about yeah, sharing it's about, individual experiences. Uh, yeah, it is. And then you make your own yeah. decision about what's best for you. For me, I want. I was like, this baby was going to be born at home. All going well. I booked my midwife, the same mm. midwife that I'd had for Nathan. Um, and I was kind of like, I didn't want to go into hospital. If I could avoid it, mm. I was like, I want to avoid it. Um, and I kind of said, I want it to happen too naturally at home if possible um so I spent a couple of days just really focusing on that and being like almost using my affirmations for birth again being like you know talking to this little baby that I thought I was going to be welcoming into Mm -hmm. our lives and I just kept on saying to it that you know I was ready to let it go with love and I asked that it would let me go with love and it just helped me feel like there was some level of control in this uncontrollable um, situation. And sure enough, for me, a couple of days later, I did start miscarrying naturally. Um, and I felt glad that that's how I went about it because it felt right for me. That said, I've had so many women get on to me um, through my Instagram platform and... I would, they'll ask me about it. And I'm like, listen, you know, this is what I've done, that what I did, yeah. but that doesn't mean it's right for you. If you feel like mentally and emotionally you're not able for that and yeah. you want to go in and have a DNC or you want to go into hospital and have that assistance, then absolutely you go and do that. I was like, that's just, this was yeah. what was right for me. And, um, and I think that's a really important point. Yeah. Because 
in all of this, we're all individuals Absolutely. and you must follow whatever feels right yeah. and is the best thing for you. If you get more reassurance by going into totally. a hospital in a medical environment, Absolutely. Um, then that's what you do. Yeah. Um, I think that you were so fortunate that you had that midwife support there. Yeah. Um, so that you did feel secure in your home, but yeah. yet you did know who to call totally. as well. Yeah. Now, I mean, I rang the hospital and I just said to them, I would like to stay at home. And I spoke to my midwife, but I still then found myself going to Google. Yeah. Like what to expect? Yeah. What's going to come? What, like, a, what's cr- gonna what a crazy search. Like, what's going <laughs> to happen here? Um, and yeah, it's, it's that, that knowledge of kind of what actually physically happens to your body when you go through miscarriage I just feel like there's a bit of a given how sadly regular it happens um and to so many women I find it so um insane to think that as a culture it's not something that we're telling our girls yeah Mm. it's not something as a woman Mm -hmm. we know (gasps) what to look out for we know how to talk about um and I, I think you're right getting back to your point about that 12 week wait and um how we've been thought about it's superstitious to even talk about it before 12 weeks when actually you're at your most vulnerable totally at your most vulnerable at the beginning and in so many ways you're not feeling well you're tired if you've other kids you might need help with those other children and I find the first 12 weeks the worst yeah. like that as and, many women and the do. last kind of two weeks <laughs> <laughs> but really the beginning those first couple of months I find them almost torturous they are the part of pregnancy that makes me go I never want to do this again mm. um so to not have that support and to not feel like it's okay and what I found found was you'd say I would kind of with then on this baby you know just set it out and I was like oh yeah, I'm seven weeks pregnant or eight weeks pregnant. And people were like, oh. Should you be telling us that? Like, are you, like, but are, like almost as if I wasn't really pregnant. Yeah, like you are, you aren't. Yeah. <laughs> um, And it's, it's, it's a strange one because, yeah, it was just, I felt like there was this um mixed response. People didn't really know how to take it. Mm. Um, And then it was like, oh, is this not viable until I'm suddenly, you know, at the three Does this mark. not matter until yeah. I reach that milestone? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you have a loss, it doesn't matter when it happens. No. 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 It doesn't. I don't think so. I and mean, for many women, seeing that negative pregnancy test is a loss. Absolutely. The you two know, week wait is torture. The two weeks wait is yeah. a loss. Yeah. You know, if you're on a conception journey, yeah. a loss at yeah. any point <gasps> needs to be cared for. Yeah. 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 And so I definitely really wanted that baby. Like it was kind of we were at a stage where we were like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna go for it. Um, and I had after Nathan, uh, and I think this is another area that we're not speaking about enough either, is the postpartum, the fourth trimester. And uh, I after Nathan, um, ended up feeling very depleted. I became really really unwell. And um, people were kind of looking at me like, oh, you're, you're so small, you're so tiny. And I'm like, I'm eating, but I'm, I was just really unwell okay. in myself. I became very intolerant to multiple foods. It didn't happen overnight. It just it kind of built up. I lost um, a lot of weight. Um, I remember saying to David, I physically won't be able to carry another baby like this. Like I knew my body. I could. My body was barely keeping itself going never mind 
the idea growing that would, another yeah mm. I was breastfeeding um I had breastfed the two the two kids um like almost into mm. one another you mm. know what I mean so it was a long time of long time of breastfeeding but it was really I feel um a combination of that postpartum stress I had after Nathan um he ended up which is a bronchiolitis and it, like you know listen, there's so many terrible things that happen to other children mm. and I'm very lucky my, my kids are you know healthy children um but we were in and out of hospital for uh about three months with him and his breathing and I just became very anxious mm. around that naturally ho- yeah I had very little help um, I felt very um, isolated. My husband was at work. I had to like I had these three kids. I had to keep going. Um, I wasn't getting sleep myself. I was sleeping, sitting up with Nathan on my chest, and because you do anything, obviously for your for your baby, um, and um, I wasn't seeing friends because I couldn't be out because I had a sick child, <laughs> a sick baby. I I didn't. He was too vulnerable to be around other children mm. in case he picked up something else. And that went on for the first six months of Nathan's life. And um, then we kind of came out of this haze. But I think the damage had almost been done mm. in that period of time. So you were in a chronic state of yeah. anxiety. My body was just screaming. And um, I'd lost yeah, a huge amount of weight. And uh, I wasn't getting any answers from from anywhere that I was going to go. You know, the doctor wasn't giving me any answers. It was like... Oh, maybe IBS or, you know, this kind of, like, I was like, I've heard that for the last 10 years of my life. You know, okay. it's not that. Um, and I, um, it took probably another six months before I decided to go to see um, a kinesiologist who was fantastic at just giving me another, an alternative. And she gave me some answers and really quickly gave me some answers. And what does Nikini... Kinesiology. Now, <laughs> I know, yeah. It's, I can it's, never get it's, it. Yeah, it's just a strange, strange one. Um, so it is, you know, a lot of it is science-based, apart from the fact that it's, bu- it's based on muscle testing. So she I actually went because my kids that was the reason I went because as a mother I was still not, I wasn't putting myself first mm. I was I was last in the pecking order I was bringing um I was bringing my kids there because I wasn't happy with their Nathan had eczema all over his body okay Amelia her tummy was very distended and she was constantly having I suppose diarrhea really it was mm. just going on I was like this is normal I felt like it just wasn't normal mm. um I wasn't getting the answers in the doctors. It was like, put a cream on it, a steroid cream on it. You know, it was just, I was like, mm-hmm. co- and I was like, no, I wanted to try and address it at the root. Yeah. So I actually went for them. And then when it came to my turn, um, <laughs> I'm sitting on the bed and I, I always remember, she was just kind of like, oh, when she started testing me. What did the, when you say testing? Like, so she basically she would give, say, it's, it's for something very simple. She would give you a little bottle to, um, she put it on your chest. And you wouldn't even know what's in this bottle. Um, but, for example, it could be wheat. Mm. And she would be able to test the strength of the muscle reaction in your body to this. Wow. And that was giving her feedback and insight into, first of all, maybe, are you intolerant or... Are you allergic or and to what level or are you deficient in something and mm. to what level? Um, and I probably wouldn't have maybe bought into this 10 years ago, mm. but I have seen the, you know, the drastic results that we've gotten from it. 
um, uh, one of the, the clearest ones, I suppose, was Alana had had um, warts that we couldn't get rid of on, mm. her, on her thumb. And after a couple of weeks of taking the, the medication that um, Elma had suggested, they were gone. And I was like, we've been trying to burn these off, mm. freeze these off, all sorts. Um, and is it about picking up on nutrition deficiencies? So it's, it's, it's all Everything. across the board. But for me, it um, turned out that I was very intolerant to wheat, gluten, dairy, all the good things. All the good things. All the good things. I was devastated. But I knew it. Yeah. I did know. Um, and I had leaky gut. So no matter how cleanly I was eating, yeah. I was still unwell I was in bed every night at seven o'clock with cramps and pain in my stomach um I wasn't functioning I wasn't living I wasn't happy you know mm. and it there was that whole experience kind of brought me through a massive healing journey um where I actually had to prioritize myself and my own health mm. and on an emotional physical level um and I suppose maybe accept that maybe I hadn't been kind enough to myself in the previous couple of years and I was giving too much outwards as a mother it was just give 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 and I was like well hang on how am I Mm. how am I taking care of myself Mm. and something that we uh, all forget yeah and I feel like that loss that came in the middle of that whole thing you know that whole um healing stage of my journey um not that I'm finished no (laughs) definitely not um none of us are but it, yeah, it it was it was all kind of part of the story, and I still wasn't where I needed to be to actually be a mother um, again. So it's it's ta- it's taken me time. I had to really rebuild myself when I went after I had the miscarriage. I actually went back to the kinesiologist mm-hmm. again, and she was like, "Your progesterone is really low." Now I would never probably been told that if I had gone to my GP. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you know where to go to get these tests done. Um, So my progesterone was really low, meaning I likely was not going to conceive. You know, I'd had all my life... Well, actually, it's hard to know because I was on contraception for a lot of years, but my periods had generally been quite regular. Mm. Suddenly, my periods were like 16, 17 days. Then it was like 22 days. Then it would be like one random longer one. Mm. It was like all over the place. Mm. My body was not ready to... Mm. To conceive and grow a child. No. And um, when I started looking into it, it was like, well, actually, like, you know, ovulation is such a sign of our overall health. Yeah. And I knew that maybe this wasn't going to be something that was going to happen straight away. And that it would take a bit of time. Um, And I had to kind of become a bit more patient. And I'm not the most space I kind of like if I want something I kind of want it right now um and not that I had to wait a huge amount of time but from you know my previous pregnancies getting pregnant very quickly Mm. you know there was a nine month or ten month gap before I conceived this Mm. baby and it was a very concentrated effort on getting my health where it needs to be because I was like if I'm not going to do that then then I'm actually going to end up in a worse state than I am now and what use will I be to anyone you know, I might, I'll have a fourth child and I'll be, I won't be able to look after them. Um, it's a really important lesson. And I think that we take that for granted. We need to care for all aspects of our health if yeah. we are expected to to go through a successful pregnancy, nine yeah. months, to go through labor and the postpartum phase. You, you know, you have to, I think that we 
we um, underemphasize the preparation and the care that is needed before conception, yeah. not just from the moment on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you are now four weeks away? Four weeks. Four, four weeks, yeah, away from my fourth. And um, it's, it's funny, you think I'd have it all, you know, somewhat um, sussed out at this stage. But it's amazing how, and I'm, I'm noticing this, you know, that there are still fears there. Um, that one of the biggest learning curves for me as a mother, I think, has been this acceptance that not everything's going to be perfect and that it isn't all easy. Mm. I think I had this kind of romantic idea that being a mother was going to be when it's just all fabulous and <laughs> all amazing. And yet, like, I, you know, <laughs> I feel like multiple times a day, I almost show myself that that is not mm. how it is, mm. you know. And then, if, you know, before I think I would have felt like, like I was failing. Now there's a little bit more of an adjustment of expectations and realizing that, yes, every day is going to have good, good moments. But you know what? It's not easy either. And having other li- people to look after, it's all there. Um, you're dealing with all the different personalities, the clashes, and everything that go with it. Um, and I am trying to be realistic about what this fourth baby is going to bring to the house. And as much as I I hope it's going to be, you know, relatively plain sailing, I'm aware that it's going to be tough for the first while as well. There's going to be an adjustment for everybody. Me, the three kids, my husband, um, and just being okay with that and maybe just taking it a little bit slower this time. So that's that's the plan. Ashling, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your experience of it. I think that I've... You've really helped, you know, so many women, but it's so important as you, to finish on that point of it is going to be such an adjustment. There is no, uh, there's no rule book. And no. I think it's really ap- appropriate that we start recognizing that it is tough and to get as much physical, emotional, mental, soulful support yeah. that we possibly can. So thank you so much for joining us and uh, telling us about your experience. Thanks, Sinead. Thanks for listening to Every Mum the Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe and we'd love you to leave a review. This series is kindly supported by Water Wipes. Water Wipes are an essential for every mum from that first nappy change and during those messy weaning months. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes, Water Wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and are proud sponsors of Every Mum the Podcast.